Welcome to the Emergency Management Network podcast, and I want to thank our sponsors, Buffalo Computer Graphics, Disaster Tech, and Titan HST. We talk about resilience in many ways, and the field that many of you who are reading this post or listening to the podcast have chosen to pursue values resilience. See, the resilient community, the resilient individual, and the success stories that we share are one of those hard-nosed individuals that were able to recover from a disaster and thrive after. Today, we're starting a series on resilient leaders. And I could not have thought of a better way to start than with Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt stands as one of the greatest leaders in American history. And one of the most exciting, inspiring stories that TR has is his quality of leaderships that are lessons that are just as full and exciting and relevant today as they were 120 years ago. In addition, these lessons are cross-discipline, government organizations, emergency management, government or private, business or military. Everyone can take something from his ideas, his ideals, and his writings. TR could have run for a third term. The 22nd Amendment was not ratified till 1951. And he would have won. However, he stepped aside and supported his VP Taft to sit in his chair. I chose that term purposely because he really still thought that it was his chair. See, after leaving office in 1909, TR spent a year hunting in Central Africa. And he had this habit of going on these like long excursions. He moved out to Montana and worked as a cattleman many years um, after the loss of his wife. But when he was done with the expedition, he decided to tour North Africa and Europe. He was treated like a celebrity everywhere he went. He was invited to attend events and give speeches in Cairo, Berlin, Naples, Oxford. And on April 23rd, 1910, in Paris, TR gave what would become one of the most widely quoted speeches before the crowd that stood Colonel Roosevelt. And there are people in court dress, naval officers in full uniform, and 900 students and an audience of 2,000 ticket holders. And Roosevelt delivered a speech called Citizenship in a Republic, which among some would be known as the man in the arena. In addition to touching on his family's history of war, human and property rights, and responsibility of citizenship, and Francis Fallen Birthright, Roosevelt rallied against cynics who looked down upon men trying to make the world a better place. The poorest way to face life is to face it with sneer, he said. A cynical habit of thought and speech, a readiness to criticize the work of the critic himself, never tries to perform an intellectual aloofness which will not accept contract with life's realities. And all of these marks, not of superiority, but of weakness. Think about that for a second. Then he delivered this inspiring and passionate message that drew a huge applause. Now, this speech was much longer than this, but this is what most people remember. And I still think it's a very important today. I'm going to do my best to, well, do honor to it. So the speech was this. I'm sure you've heard it before. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or the doer of deeds could have done them better. 
The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood, who strides valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end triumph of high achievement, and who at worst... If he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. The speech was a wild success, according to Edmund Morris, a historian, who calls it one of Roosevelt's greatest rhetorical triumphs. It got sent to teachers in France in attempts and was printed in it turned into a pocketbook and sold at least five thousand copies in five days and was translated across europe roosevelt morris writes was surprised at his success and admitting that his best friend henry Cabot lodge that the reaction of the french was a little bit difficult for me to understand i want to end this introduction with 10 lessons of leadership from tr one leaders are created and not born through tr's life and work with enduring answers of that eternal questions our leaders born or made. Roosevelt believed that leadership was an ongoing project of self-creation, and he offered his life as a template to anyone seeking to recreate themselves into an active leader. If I have anything resembling genius, it is the gift of leadership. So it says TR. To tell the truth, I like to believe to be a source of encouragement to Americans by the way I have accomplished without great gifts. Two, to encourage the foundation of virtue. Theodore Roosevelt was a warrior. His virtues and shortcomings are best evaluated with an eye toward the world which he lived. Death was a constant companion. The consequences of the barbarism of the Civil War was very much evident in every part of American life. In this world, Courage was paramount. Physical courage was prized, and moral courage, perhaps even rare, was necessary for enduring services. Roosevelt overcame the weak physical endowment and corresponding temperament, and he aimed for his example to stir others, indeed the nation as a whole, to undertake that same transformation. There are all kinds of things that he was afraid of at first, ranging from grizzly bears to mean horses and gunfighters. But by acting as if he was not afraid, he actually became and ceased to be afraid. Action, action, and more action. Theodore Roosevelt had a consistent bias for action. He believed in the initiative. He was never comfortable or effective on defense, responding to a state of affairs set by others, whether it was the construction of the Panama Canal or taking on J.P. Morgan and other memorable challenges. T.R. took risk of action over greater and of sometimes less evident risk of inaction or delay. He says, whatever I think is right to me to do, I do. I do the things I believe ought to be done. And when I make up my mind to do a thing, I act. Put your team ahead of yourself. One of Roosevelt's formative real-time leadership experience was leading his regiment in the Spanish-American War. TR led from the front. He placed himself in undeniable danger remaining on horseback while facing a rain of steel. 
He placed those he was serving for himself. True servant leadership. As a result, many of the Rough Riders remain committed to him for the rest of their lives. No man has the right to ask or accept any service unless under charge conditions. He feels that he can keep his entire self-respect by rendering. Leaders are learners. From youth, Roosevelt had this, was a ferocious reader. Reading was a disease with him. TR, curiously and ceaselessly learning, never abated. The book in the classroom, the formal education were far from the only venues from learning. Roosevelt examples of combining life ideas and life of action was central to the project of self-creation as a leader. And as soon as many men cease to be able to learn, his usefulness as a teacher is at the end. If he cannot learn, he has reached the stage where other people can't learn from him. I think that's critical. Bringing history to life, creating the future, like Winston Churchill, TR was a practicing politician and an accomplished historian. He and his friends, such as Senator Henry Cabot Lodge of Massachusetts, would frequently turn to historical examplars as they dealt with contemporary problems. I think we do that today too. There was nothing cheaper than the sneer at the battle of great men, deeds and thoughts of bygone times, unless it is to magnify them and ascribe the most impossible virtues to the period. Seven. Maintaining open channels with adversaries. Many people think in all or nothing terms, either you're for me or you're against me. And that can be appropriate in some circumstances, but least as often it is not. Roosevelt focused on results, on outputs, rendered inflexible as to means. And he would say, work with the tools at hand. As governor of New York, TR met regularly with his frequent adversary and uneasily ally of Easy boss, Senator Tom Collier Platt. And this prompted criticism for critics who fear that such meetings would necessarily compromise Roosevelt and his position on virtue matters. Roosevelt nonetheless maintained regular meetings and communication with Platt and other people who he disagreed with. He says, if my virtue ever becomes so frail that it will not stand a meeting of men whom I thoroughly disapprove, but who I can active in official life and whom I must encounter, why shall I go out of politics and become something else whether i see these men or do not see them if i do anything for them improper that i am legitimately subject to criticism but only a fool will criticize me because i see them keep commitments today commitments are vitally willy-nilly as they become inconvenient or undesirable and this has always been more the case among politicians teddy roosevelt was notable for striving to meet commitments he would meet commitments to his children's to play, even if it meant the meetings of the state would have to end. And Teddy Roosevelt's reckoning, holding his word, was as vital to earning and maintaining trust of those that he served. He said, in particular, gratification to me to have own my election. Above all, Abraham Lincoln's plain people, the folk who worked hard on the farm and the shop and the railroads, who owned little stores, little businesses, and who managed themselves, I would not figuratively, but rather cut off my right hand and forfeit my improper act of mine, the trust and the regard of these people, and I shall endeavor not to merit their disapproval by any act inconsistent with the ideal that they have formed of me. Family first. Roosevelt was dedicated to his family man and notably extent the public figure holding great responsibility. He was a tentative father and husband. 
There are many kinds of success worth having, and it's exceedingly interesting to be attractive and a successful businessman, a railroad man, a farmer, or a successful lawyer or doctor, a writer, a president, a ranchman, a colonel of fighting regiment, or to kill grizzly bears and lions. But for unflagging interest and enjoyment, if these things go reasonably well, a household of children certainly makes all other forms of success and achievement lose their importance by comparison. And 10, be authentic. Live your values. Roosevelt was authentic in a true sense. He was an author of his character. He strove to live his demanding values. And the better to serve the nation, he could advance the same values. Ten Roosevelt says, most of all, I believe whatever my service may have comes even more from what I am and from what I may do. Next week, we'll discuss how T.R. transformed himself from a fragile, sick child to becoming one of America's most famous outdoorsmen. Thank you for joining us this week, and I hope that you find yourself interested in how you can apply some of Teddy Roosevelt's lessons into your daily life. As always, stay safe and stay hydrated.